Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Throughout this year, we've been focusing on the theme of restoration, and as part of our Father's Day, we wanted to uh, share a story with you to inspire you that we still serve a God of restoration that restores now and into the future, that God is in the business of making all things new. And we're really excited to have Sam with us from Hills Baptist. He's part of the preaching team. He actually does a lot of work in schools, in prison ministry, and if you need your household, he's a real estate agent as well. Would you put your hands together for Sam as he brings us a word today? Thanks, brother. All those things are true, by the way. Just in case you thought he was lying, he's not lying. He's a man of God. So my name is Sam. I am from the hills. Um, I make up about 20% of the Arab uh, population in the Adelaide Hills. <laughs> There's not many of us up there. All right. Um, and I get the privilege today to, uh, yeah, just share what God's done in my life, His story. It's my story, but it's His story ultimately. Um, bit of a, uh, what do you call it when you ruin the ending? Spoiler. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Obviously, I became a Christian, right? So you already know that. But six years ago, in this very building, is where I did my first Alpha course. Right upstairs, man. It's crazy with a lovely lady called Kim. She's going to be at the 11, so I look forward to seeing that. I saw a beautiful husband, Phil, at the, at the coffee, doing a great job. So, oh, it's just, I'm nervous. I didn't never get nervous talking. I love talking, but today I just felt it, and I don't know why. So it uh, must be a big one. So be ready to cry. God told me, be ready to cry, but I'm assuming it's for you, because I, I don't want it. Hey, I saw Dubsy do it, I was like, mm-hmm. All right. So uh, we'll, we'll take you back. So um, my parents are both Lebanese migrants. They met in Australia. My dad was a Muslim. My mum was a Christian. And they got married in the late 70s, which wasn't normal for, you know, interreligious marriage back in those days. Um, and so I was young in Sydney, a little baby. I was in what I call my first cell, meaning there was more. The first one was a little one in the back of a restaurant in Sydney. It was a busy restaurant. I was a little baby and my parents would run that restaurant. Now, my grandmother who was here, my mum's mum and her dad, uh, my grandpa, they just thought that wasn't a great place for a baby to be. So they came and got me from Sydney and raised me here for about eight months, which is a beautiful thing. The thing was that I learned many years later that there was a sense of abandonment in the baby's mind because I didn't see where my parents were. I just saw these new people. Yes, they loved me, but I didn't know who they were. And I didn't figure that out till like eight years ago, right? So this is long work in personal development and, and with psychologists that I realised that. But in the moment, I tell you this story because my grandmother played such a pivotal part in my life. You see, what I didn't also know until I became a Christian was that my grandmother would take me to church every Sunday as a baby against my father's will. But he didn't know what they didn't practice the religion in the home. And so that was like this, this seed that was planted. So, you know, whatever you do in your life and you're going to see the seeds that are planted, God will reap the harvest for. So don't think what you're doing is ever not enough. Like 
telling somebody about Jesus. Me and my son, we do it on purpose. We yell out the window, Jesus loves you to random people. You just never know if they were asking for a sign and some random person yells that out. You just do not know, man, okay? And so then my little brother was born and we moved to Adelaide and we got the best of both worlds. So my dad's family were Muslim. My mum's family were Christian. So we would get Christmas and Easter and then we'd get Ramadan as well. So we were the envy of both of our families, right? And uh, so we grew up like that, you know, the best of both worlds type of thing. And you get to an age where you sort of go, oh yeah, who do I belong to? Like, what is my identity, right? So just quick, I just want to let you know that 25-minute counter that I'm focusing on is not counting down. I'm just letting you know that. Because I'm meant to look at that to stay within the hour, right? Because I will talk. I'm telling you, they told me, Sam, make sure you, I said, no worries, just keep that, there we go, yeah. I just snuck in an extra five minutes, Zubzy, Hey, <laughs> Yeah, you like that? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, we, you know, growing up, we sort of started to become Muslim. Now, this is where I, I made this statement. It's I, The title I gave ourselves now, looking back, was actually No Pork Muslim. We were a no pork Muslim because in high school I started smoking weed, smoking cigarettes, drinking, but no pork. And that kept us Muslim, right? And so that sort of made its way all up into the teens and into the early 20s. And by the time I got in my late teens, early 20s, I started to find, oh, I love dancing. I started going out and partying and dancing. And then I found, um, uh, what are they called? Drugs. And the drugs were like, um, you know, what you go out with. They were uppers, right? So you take them and you get, and you're like, even a thousand times more energy than I have right now. So I quite enjoyed it, right? I'm not going to be here, oh, it was bad. No, no, the come down was terrible, but the up was, felt great. And so all of a sudden, this no pork Muslim, still no pork, by the way, would now be doing drugs, doing this, doing that, but no pork. Like that is how we rolled. And there was 20 of us. 20 Arab Muzo men, Muzos, like slang for Muslim, uh, that would not touch pork. I'm telling you now, if I had pepperoni on a pizza, my mate would tell me off more than if I had a beer and a cigarette in my hand. And so we partied and we did this and we did that and there was crime and there was all sorts of things happening. And then Ramadan would come, we would stop it all and then we'd fast till sunset, eat, you know. Ramadan would finish, back to it. And so that's how we lived for years. And then one day I met this young lady. Uh, she was a Christian. She'd been brought up in a Christian home. She, her parents didn't have a great divorce. And um, that, that time I stopped again. Uh, and uh, she started coming out with us. And she had this faith. Now, something pierced my heart about the way that she would respond. You see, we had lots of arguments about why the Christian faith was wrong. See, Muslims love Jesus. They just don't believe He is the Son of God. They don't even believe He died on the cross. They believe He was replaced, but they believe He's the highest of prophets. So there's a great love for Him, but it's just a little wrong, okay? And so we had all these arguments against young Christians. Now, this is what I, I preached at a Christian Vetamorphous uh, retreat last week, and it's really the word I had for them is equip yourself with the word. Because the young Muslim knows his word much greater than the young Christian knows theirs. And so the argument was easy for us to beat the young Christian. But my wife would, my missus at the time, 
would like, yeah, 20 young Arab men telling her, oh, you know, this, that, and then she would say, no, 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 you got it wrong. Jesus loves you. And I'd be like, what the heck? And then one day she said something to me. She said, Sam, you know, you're not really a Muslim, right? And I said, what do you mean, bro? She said, I feel like you're like a Christian youth leader. I was like, what? Now, all the time when we were younger, we would think of as Christian as like Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. I mean, you think about what Hollywood did to the Christian faith. This was, this was planned, right? So now you look, you see all these beautiful, wonderful Christians. Back then, they used to get paid out so much. And so we're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You fast forward 15 years, what do I do on a Friday night? I youth lead at my church. Never in a million years would I have thought that. And so she stuck with me. And we would go up and down and then on this drug thing. Now I was very functional, right? So I would take them, but you would not be able to tell. I'd go into work, I'd do my work. I'd had many different jobs because uh, I just get bored easy and then I'd go to the next one and I'd do really well and then I'd get bored, I'd go to the next one. So that was probably a part of that drug lifestyle, which now looking back, I realised. But in the moment, I was very high performing. And then I had children, my first daughter, and I thought, okay, now it will stop. I'll be in my faith, I'll be strong, and then I'll stop the drugs. And it didn't stop. It actually kept going. Then I had my second child, and not only did it keep going, but it got worse. I found myself in a hole. I was not working. I owed money to some big people, and I was still using. And, you know, my wife was like, what are you doing? Like, surely. And we would go to psychologists and drug rehab. We'd do all these different programs that nothing was working through my works, through my strength, Nothing worked. Yes, I got some great tools. Yes, I met some great people that were really out there to help, but nothing truly changed it. Would I stop for a couple of months? Yes, six months max. And then I find myself back down this hole. And I had a really great job at the time. I was traveling around Australia, speaking to young people about money and how to save and spend and earn. And at the same time, I was doing the wrong things with money. It was just a bizarre life I was living. And one day my wife said to me, you know, you really got to change. Like, I'm done with this. We had three kids at this time. And then my parents went through this bad divorce. And um, my wife, he came to pick up, my dad came to pick up my, um, my kids to go and buy some budgies. And my wife rang me. Now, I was at a friend's house doing the wrong thing, telling, probably lying to my wife, saying I was somewhere else where I wasn't. And she rang me. She said, oh, what are you doing? I said, I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. She goes, oh, I need you to go with your dad to pick up these budgies. Now, normally, doing what I was doing at that time, I would have said no, like, oh, I'm, I can't, I'm busy. But something, now I know, it was the Holy Spirit that prompted me to go. I said, okay. And I got dropped off. My dad picked me up. We went and bought these budgies. My kids jumped in the car. My youngest, who would have been six at the time, jumped in the back seat, but then went into the front seat. Now, I would never have let him sit in the front seat. But this day I did. And on this day, I sat in the back. And then a few minutes later, I woke up. I couldn't breathe. There was a four-wheel drive that had pushed my entire door onto me. I was stuck. Broken seven ribs, ruptured my spleen, nerve damage in my hip. <laughs> And uh, that was my grandmother's birthday on that day. And I just felt like, I was like, whoa, if my son had sat in the back, he would no longer be with us. And that started, now you'd think I would stop after that, right? But I didn't. Same thing, got back on it, rah, rah, rah. But it pierced something in my heart. Just like when Paul was Saul and he saw Stephen get stoned to death. 
And instead of Stephen screaming out, stop, he said, please forgive them, Father. Now that pierced Saul's heart, even though it took three years for Saul to become Paul. Trust me, those seeds were planted then, just like that car accident. And nine months later, um, my wife was praying and she said, oh my gosh, God, I've never brought him to you. I've never brought this problem to you. I've tried through man to fix it, but not through God. And so she prayed and the Lord gave her this thing. He said, basically, you need an ex-gangster turned Christian to connect with Sam. And so she literally typed in, ex-gangsters turned Christian. <laughs> and up comes this guy in, in Sydney, big shout out, Tony Hong, H-O-A-N-G. And he was in Sydney and he was an ex-gangster, a Vietnamese, you know, proper heroin, you know, dealer, you know, people died and like it was full on. And he'd not only become a Christian, he'd become a pastor. And he was running a church in Sydney and he was running a program called Chasing the Dragon, which is a, in terms of the drug world, it's about smoking opiates. Like that's called Chasing the Dragon, right? And so he was like running this program through Jesus about overcoming drug addiction. And I got home from work and my wife said, you're going to Sydney. I said, what for? She goes, you're going to meet with this guy, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no worries. Now, I'm open to that stuff, right? This is my family. I want to look after them and I want to be with them, right? I don't want to lose my family. I'd have mates that have left, lost their family for far less than what I'd done. And the only thing that kept my wife there was the faith in Jesus. I've seen, you know, things fall apart and she just stands firm in the faith. And so I went to Sydney, but the trick was this. My cousin, who was also a part of the life that I used to live, was living in Sydney and he had changed his life around with Islam, so, and he used to be my spiritual brother. We used to talk for hours, right? And I used to try to be a good Muslim. I really did. I really wanted to be a good Muslim. And it just would fall over, whatever. So I go there. He goes, what are you doing, bro? I said, I'm going to meet with this pastor. <laughs> who's gonna... He goes, are you serious? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's gonna strengthen my faith. You see, what I didn't know is at the time, he thought in his heart that I was gonna become a Christian. I did not. So when I rocked up to church, you, oh, I sat, I met with the guy suited up. Now you could see some tats, but he looked well presented. And I came and sat right there. Now, every single time I tell this story in the church, I kid you not, without fail, guess what? There's nobody ever sitting in that chair. <laughs> when you come in, Lord, most of you fill up at the back. Who, why does nobody sit there? Because they know oh, that person's gonna get involved somehow. <laughs> I didn't know that. So I sat there thinking I'm the guest, so I'll sit at the front, cool. Now this guy starts talking about drugs in the community and fatherlessness. What a beautiful time I get to preach on Father's Day, right? He talks about fatherlessness and how big a problem that is in society and the other problems that stem from that. And then he says, bow your heads and pray. So I'm like, oh, no worries, you know, respectfully. Yep, cool. And then I, he goes, now who here wants to be helped? Raise their hand. So I'm like, Oh, that must be for me. Because, oh, okay, yeah, no, no worries. Yep, cool. The guy comes, taps him on the shoulder, says, hey, brother, come to the front. I said, what for? He said, we'd like to help you. I said, can't you help me right here, bro? <laughs> Why do I need to go out the front? I don't know these people. And I said, okay. So I walked out the front and then three people came and walked out next to me, a big Samoan dude. It was massive, dude, right? I looked at him like, hey, you going? yeah, cool. And there was two young girls. The difference was, I could tell all three of them were on the same journey as me. I could tell they were addicted to drugs. You couldn't tell with me. I just presented it way better. They did not. I could tell. And so we stood at the front and the guy starts praying. It's the first time I've ever heard the prayer in tongues. 
I don't know if, what you guys feel about that, but let me tell you, there was a power in that prayer that day. What I now know was the Holy Spirit overcame me. I did not know that at the time. And I just felt like, I was like, whoa. And it just overwhelmed me. And I looked up and the guy puts his hand on my shoulder. He says, Sam, Jesus forgives you. And then I went, <laughs> just uncontrollably. Now I'm a crier. I love crying. But I've never cried like that in my life. And I tried to man up and stop it. Like, <laughs> and he was like, it's okay. I was like, <laughs> right? It was full on. If, it was, if there was a camera back then, it would look so ugly, right? It was one of those tears, like just do not care. Then he goes to the guy next to me, does the same thing. The big fella breaks down. And I, we look at each other and I just do what comes naturally and we hug, <laughs> right? I don't even know this guy, okay? Then the next one, then the next one. And we go back to our seats and everyone's looking at you and you're like, whatever, everyone's coming up to you. Oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit. I said, hey, 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 I am a Muslim. And they say, no worries, no worries. So then we go for lunch. And as we go for lunch, I know Tony's gonna get straight into it. He's like, so Sam, this is why Islam is wrong and blah, blah, blah. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. In my mind, I didn't tell him because I was being respectful. But in my mind, I'm like, damn, this guy's straight up, man. I said, he's talking some smack. He's getting me upset. I said, Allah, if what this man is saying is true, you better show me a sign right now and I'll be your greatest disciple. I don't even know where that word came from, by the way. I have no idea. And as I... As he's still talking, I look up, we come over a hill and in the distance I see three buildings, two on the left, one on the right and big white writing on this building, Jesus. That doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, it was that quick that I was like, that's a setup. He set me up. He brought me this, I'm not even joking. That's what my mind started thinking. He brought me this way on purpose, what is that, Right? And then we go and have lunch and we go and meet all these other guys that have changed their life and got off the drugs through Jesus. I met another African Muslim. I even met a young Thai Buddhist man. And I said to them, I kid you not, I, even said, I said, bro, Buddha. He's like, I know. <laughs> I was like, what? And he's like, it's Jesus, man. I said, oh, no worries, man. Look, great. Thank you very much. See you later. And I left. I told my cousin, because I was so overwhelmed with all this stuff. And he goes, what, what? And we went to his house for three hours and watched YouTube of indoctrinating me of Islam, people coming to Islam, like for three hours. I'm not even joking. And I was like, wow, wow. But in my heart, I couldn't stop thinking about what had just happened. And I come back to Adelaide. And by the way, my kids are now at a Christian school. I sent them to Sunrise Christian School because I wanted them to have the morals and the values, right? Because I learned a lot of my stuff in the public school system. No offence. Is what I did. So I was like, no, that's not where I want my kids. So when I came back to Adelaide, I was, my daughter was reading some books that I didn't really like. And I was like, hey, let's go to, down to the Kurong bookshop and get her a good book, right? Went to the Kurong, they went inside. I had left my wallet, came back to my car, grabbed my wallet, walked in, looked, and right there is a book of the week. It's on display. There's about 30 copies of this book on a little table. And I must have just stood there for what seemed like hours, but it was probably a couple of seconds or minutes or whatever. And the guy on the, on the counter saw me and he came around and said, are you okay, mate? I said, not really. He said, what's wrong? I said, what's the title of that book? And he looked at me a bit weird, but then he read it out to me. He said, seeking Allah, finding Jesus. Interesting. He says, do you know if you came tomorrow, that book would not be there? So I read it and it was about a Muslim, way more Muslim than me, trying to go through the 
you know, journey of life and arguing with Christians and defeating them in high school. Then he gets to college and meets a guy who's stronger in the Word and goes, hang on a second, that's not right, that's not right. Starts correcting him and he goes, whoa, whoa. And these are the same arguments we learn in Adelaide about the same, you know, Christian Muslim debate. And I'm reading and going, wow, I know this argument. Oh, it's wrong, it's wrong, what? And then he starts to disprove Christianity, but in trying to do so, ends up finding that it cannot be disproved and it must be truth. And then he takes the same fine tooth comb through the Quran and finds that it falls over, falls over and goes, <gasps> and he has this like epiphany. And as he's having it, I'm having it. And I'm like, whoa. And so he becomes a Christian and I'm like, whoa, what do I need to do here? And then Tony Hong rings me. Within the week of me finishing, he said, hey, Sam, how you doing? I said, oh, man, oh, I just read this book. And he goes, whoa, that's amazing. I was like, yeah. He's like, well, man, I'm coming to plant a church in Adelaide on Friday night at Woodville. I'd love you to be there. Okay. So I go there. He prays over me again. I cry uncontrollably again, except this time it's in front of my family. And the difference is this time I have raised my hand. I give my life to Christ. And as I give my life to Christ, I feel it. I feel the spirits on me. I know, and I'm just like, you know. And I get home and everyone goes to sleep. And then I lay on the floor, on the slate floor, on my knees. I feel like I'm going through some pain. I just feel like I need to go through some pain. And I, I don't know how long I was on that floor for praying, but it hurt. And I'm like, just going through it. And I said, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, you better take this from me. And I don't wanna be like an alcoholic that doesn't drink. I want it gone. Porn, gambling, smoking, drugs, drinking, gone. And I felt this purple cloud lift off me, a heaviness, like literally purple, dark, lift from me. And I was like, I jumped in bed. I said, babe, I'm clean. And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. No joke. I probably told her that a hundred times before. She says, no, no, I'm serious. And every day, every day after work, she would look and see me and boom, she'd go on. And three months later, she saw me every day and she was smiling ear to ear. She, I said, what's wrong? She says, you are clean. I said, yeah, I told you. Three months ago, bro. I told you it's done. And then life was perfect. Why are you laughing? I thought that's what happens when you come to Christ. <laughs> hey? What hit me in the next three months blew my mind. But basically, long story short, um, I lost my licence. I lost my car. My car was impounded because I was driving without a licence. Actually, funny story, I prayed just before I jumped in the car because I knew I shouldn't. I said, Lord, just please, I just need to do this one job. <laughs> and I remember feeling like the Lord was like, hmm. But I just ignored that feeling and jumped in the car anyway. And boom, there he was, the copper, right on the Mount, uh, Mount Barker freeway. And he pulled me over, impounded my car, lost my licence. I lost my licence. I got hit by a car on my push bike, hit and run. She legged it. She was so scared, she knocked an Arab over, so she legged it. I, I don't blame her. I forgive you, whoever you are, okay? But she broke my hand in the, in the whole altercation. So I broke my hand, lost my job, lost my car, lost my licence within, you know, maybe three months after I came to Jesus. Now, the old me would have gone to drugs and alcohol to deal with the pain, no doubt. Like straight away, would have got paro, would have got high. The new me went to the Word, went to prayer. Now, I'm riding my bike around and I'm listening to the guy, Timothy. You know that guy that does the U version? <laughs> and I remember pulling over, who are you? Who are you, man? 
listen to rap and R&B and hip hop. Like, what am I doing listening to this, you know, English sounding dude tell me about the Bible? It was just a bizarre moment. And I was getting stronger in my faith. And then I got some news that my best friend had taken his own life. And I just rocked up to church at Edge. And the funny thing was before that, I'll just tell you quickly, God had put him on my heart to reach out to. Um, but I hadn't because there was a situation that was going on and I didn't want to confront him. I didn't, I didn't want to clash with him. I loved him. He was my best mate. And we used to do a lot of that stuff together. And I, I didn't go and see him. And then he died. And I just felt now when God puts somebody on your heart, reach out straight away. Do not wait. Now, may it have changed the outcome? I don't know. But it just annoys me that I didn't. You know, just a message. Hey, brother, how you doing? Just a phone call. Just someone, now I do it straight away. And my friend told me that she had gone through a journey. And she said, every time you and your wife reached out and just sent a message, even though I never replied, it was always the perfect time. It was always the perfect time. You see, I got so excited about becoming a Christian that I wanted to get baptised. And I was like, all right, man, let's do it. And like the church that I was at, Edge, they said, look, Sam, you've got to come do a baptism course. It's so funny that you said that. I was like, hey, that thing, all right? Just, hey, look, even if you want to get baptised early, just follow what the pastor says. Be under their leadership. They're guiding you. They want you to get baptised too. They don't not want you to get baptised, okay? I used to say to the pastor, bro, why do I got to wait, man? Just that eunuch, he got baptised in a puddle. Just baptise me in a puddle. I don't care. They go, just wait. Now, I did the course, I came out, no worries, boom. A week before, I got cold feet. I said, what the heck am I doing? I've invited people, am I meant to become a Christian? Or did God just save me from Islam to Christianity to go back to Islam? That's what I thought. That was the thoughts going through my head almost a year into my walk and a week before I was getting baptised. And I said to God, God, if you are who you say you are, then I need a sign by Wednesday. <laughs> Signed by Wednesday, Lord, that I have to get baptised. And I'm not looking for a little like cross on the road. I'm looking for a big sign. Like He knows you, every one of you. He knows what you need. He knows what I need. And by Wednesday came and gone, nothing. Zero. I'm looking everywhere. Billboards, I'm looking everywhere. Trust me. Zero. Now, I used to ride to work. And on this particular Friday, I drove to work. And on the way back, you know, OG Road and Paynham Road. You know, they used to, they stuffed that up again. But before they did that, it was already... I know, I know. There was a 40 metre slip lane, people, that nobody knew how to use. <laughs> Everyone would get stuck in, ah, oh, the, you know. So I knew it was coming up. It was 5.30, bumper to bumper traffic. And I waited and I saw and I flashed and I let the guy in. And two things caught my mind, my attention. The first one was it was a Holden Chimera. I know, I haven't seen one of those in like 20 years. I was like, Holden Chimera, oh my gosh. Second thing, Tasmanian number plates. Yeah, all those jokes, they all came out, right? And the third thing was across the whole back window was a sticker. I don't mean a sticker. I mean a sticker. Mark 16, 16. For he who is baptised, for he who believes and is baptised shall be saved. I know. I couldn't believe it. I was chasing the guy. He thought I was trying to road rage him. He wouldn't pull over. I'm like, bro, bro. He's like, whoa. I'm like, oh man. I was like, damn man, I never got to meet you, whoever you are, right? I was like, what do you mean? And so now I'm excited. And Sunday morning comes and I'm like, whoa, I'm so excited. 
And then I get some messages on Messenger Facebook saying, happy Eid, brother. Because I didn't go out and tell everybody, hey, everybody, I'm a Christian, right? Only the close people to me knew. And I was like, what? I'm getting baptised on Eid of Ramadan. It's like the Christmas for Muslims. But not only that, the day before was when my grandmother had passed away. It was her anniversary on the 24th and I got baptised on the 25th of June. And then not only that, but four years later, without any planning, my son, 13 years old, goes and get baptised and I look at the calendar, it's the 25th of June. See, God knows I love that stuff. He's like, here you go, mate. Here's another one just for you. There you go, mate. And I'm just like, oh, you're so good. You see, what people don't realise, some people come to me and go, Sam, I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. I don't hear Him as much anymore. Well, first of all, your hearing's not as good as it was, so let's be real. <laughs> Older crowd, they're like, oh, hey, 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 all right. Second of all, when your father shows you that, you, that he's your father from an early age, he doesn't need to keep showing you by the time you're 50. The first three years you walk, you go, that's my dad. And by the time you're 13, you know that's your dad. It's about you coming to him, you sitting with him. You see, my favourite verse from the Bible is Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can test God's good will, His perfect and pleasing will. You see, well, that was quick. Woo, they're quick at Clovey, right? When I became a Christian, I did not go back out into the world and drink with my mates. For six months, I avoided them. I love them. But I was not going to the 30th. I was not going to the engagements because I knew what was going to be there until I became stronger in my faith. So on Friday night, my brother's down from Sydney. We went out for his 40s. We had dinner. We had a few drinks with some old mates, right? I realised, I go, okay, that's it. Water, 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 water. I don't drink anymore. So this year has been the, this year has been the, I've drank more in this year than I have in the past five years combined because everyone turned 40, right? All my closies, right? So I was like, all right, couple for you, couple for you, no worries. But now I go, oh, that's it, water. And no matter what anybody says, ah, bro, just one more. No, thanks. You understand? The Lord is calling us to empower people. I see the Christian church is too asleep, man. You got too comfortable coming to church on Sunday, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? I love that your Gawler campus is out there giving coffee and preaching to the people because that's what we're called to do. Amen. So that's what I want on your heart. That Jesus, the Son of God, the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is in you. You may not have a transformation quite like that, but I guarantee you, you aren't the same as you were before Jesus. And if you are, then you ain't pressing in enough no matter how mature in age you may be, there is still time and great time to have great impact on the people of this planet because it is a broken world that is in need of a redeemer and a healer and a saviour and his name is Jesus. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you so much. That is your story through me. Thank you so much for every challenge that we have faced through our faith because that is how we build our faith, Lord. It is through the fire. Eagles fly west in the winter. That's code for spirit keys. 
Oh, you are a good Father. We're just so privileged that we get to share together in fellowship and in Your Word and in Your presence. No matter where we are, Lord, You are. You are present. May we be, uh, yeah, just a, an empty cup that is ready to be filled with Your love and with Your grace that we can pour out onto the world because the world needs it, Lord. We are not called to be weak. We are called to be meek. We are called to be bold and courageous in our faith, but with a strong love as iron sharpens iron, Lord. May we sharpen one another to equip each other to share the gospel in the world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.